You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. And, you know, all of those cities and pretty much all cities um, in the world, except Melbourne, (laughs) not quite, but have a, a really sort of established apartment living culture. And it's, you know, really forms the basis of their urban sort of planning. I love the tagline of the Assemble Papers newsletter, the culture of living closer together. It is a question I often ponder. How can we live in closer proximity to other humans, in smaller dwellings, with less footprint, and physically, emotionally, and socially thrive while we do it? My guest this week is from Assemble, the group that publishes Assemble Papers each week, and going beyond words has actually put them into action through their own close living development in Melbourne's Clifton Hill. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Pino DeMeo on the subtle disruption of living close together. I don't know if you experience this, but there's just sometimes little, uh, little nudges that I get inside. Oh, totally. You know, yeah, like, this, this might be cool. Everybody gets those. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I think, that it's often really, um, you know, you're so distracted by everything else that's going on that it's hard to have that awareness of them. Yeah. You know, like, when's a good idea a good idea? Yeah. And you're like, well, if I keep thinking about it over a number of, you know, days, weeks, months, years even, then there's probably something in it, at least for me. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, do you, like, you know that the first time you think of it probably (laughs) yeah that's right it's just whether you've got the you know whether you're in the right brain space as well like you know if you're sitting there relaxed open to ideas and that one comes along you know then maybe you do something about it if um yeah if you totally sort of and you probably won't even that the idea won't come to you if you're you know stressed and yeah. distracted and but ideas obviously come come funny times and funny places you know they do and it's um yeah being a challenging thing in itself yeah often think um lots of people have great ideas all the time um but i think it's yeah it's more often it's just practicalities or the day-to-day or you know, just self-doubt like probably gets in the way of a good idea. I think you're right. The yeah. And for me, like stopping also what I found really helpful for getting those ideas out was having a a community that enabled me just to talk about them and not shut down ideas too. And sort of were able to sort of look at me and I trusted their their voice you know they were able to see what resonated in me and say look that really lights you up or you know that seems congruent with what else we know about you you know maybe dig a bit deeper yeah right yeah totally and people like you know who are focused on having that conversation as well because I think there's you you have lots of friends and um, family as well you know like who you know um, know you well and like probably often know the answer to you know some of those types of questions but it's also um i don't know how like i guess having a someone with a fresh perspective 
you know, it's, it's a fine balance, a fresh perspective, and it, it almost helps to sort of not really know you that well, and just to be able to like pick up on just, you know, human behavior of like, oh wow, you sound really excited by that idea, or you obviously thought about it because of the way you just described it. Yeah. You know, rather than if you kind of have those sort of discussions with, um, you know, like family or um, close friends, often um, other sort of, um, you know, I would say prejudice, but it, we, like thinking can kind of, you know, get in, get in the way. Um, yeah. And to have those kind of conversations is, is often tricky, you know. Like in term, like from a timing perspective, maybe it, it's that kind of simple where you sort of, you know, like if you um, get together with people for that purpose, you know, like I've got a buddy who we get together and just sort of jam all sorts of random business ideas essentially, and uh, it's like I mean we're we're just you know we're socialising and kind of looking for a, an opportunity to work on and. Um, so I guess that's kind of the pretext of it. So it's always sort of this without, you know, we talk about all sorts of other you know, random and less um, focused sort of topics as well, but it generally is kind of focused and structured around that. So yeah, sort of has this kind of mm, excitement that, you know, we're gonna sort of talk business ideas. Yeah. So, and, and um, rather than get sidetracked in all of the other sort of things that you can do. Yeah. Um, nice. We haven't actually officially started, but Excellent. I think um, I like this conversation. Yeah. Just how it's rolling along. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> we can just, I can yeah. drop into my first question at some yeah, point, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you about that friendship because that sounds pretty interesting. And yeah. Just reflecting on something that happened to me last year as well. So on that old friend, new friend dynamic that you're yeah, talking about yeah, there. Yeah. So uh, one of the exercises I went through last year was uh, asking a bunch of people to write um, a letter to me, uh, a structured letter around uh, seven or eight questions about uh, times that they've seen me um, really thriving, times they've seen me not thriving, and you know, what was that circumstance? Um, the, the skills they think I have, the, um, the strengths they think I have, um, perhaps the weaknesses, um, what they think I was capable of, just, you know, some really, uh, you know, getting people to spend a bit of time thinking about me. Amazing. And, uh, that's, that's a very awesome Yeah, it was, it exercise. was, it was a great exercise yeah. to do. And I asked some people that I've known, you know, since high school, primary school and I asked family members and I asked people that I'd known for maybe you know one two three four years as well and it was quite interesting the contrast between the two because some of the stuff that you're talking about there about new friends really shone through um, how they they were able to just see they were able to cut through a lot of the and it's kind of prejudice but it's also just um, for me I, I it was kind of like just that they'd know my history so long it was hard to just forget my history. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and who I have been in the past or the type of things I have done in the past. Whereas, you know, new people coming in, we're able just to see things in me that were really clear to them that 
maybe I'd only just started doing, but they were like, that is great. Like we see you've got skills there, you've got strengths there, keep, keep digging into that. Yeah, so it was, it was a very encouraging experience. Yeah, amazing. That. That's a really interesting um, exercise, I guess, because, you know, I think we, 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 everybody does it sort of in varying capacities and with, with people at different times often. Yeah. But um, I think sort of not many people necessarily would do it, you know, in a kind of structured and focused way. Yeah. And um, interesting exercise. Yeah. Totally. So I'm curious about this friend that you're talking about. I mean, do you, has it, did it take a while to build up a level of trust where you can have, I'm not sure the type of conversations you have, but I'm, I guess I'm presuming a little bit, but you can have reasonably frank discussions with each other and... Yeah. 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 Um, yes and no, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I guess we just sort of, he's sort of from a... Um, yeah, like um, investment background, venture yeah. capital. Yeah. And, you know, my background in sort of um, design, design thinking and, um, you know, business problem solving. Um, you know, there's sort of a, 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 a real nexus of, you know, he's kind of looking at businesses all day. We're helping to, you know, build businesses. And um, so it's kind of like quite natural, actually, in terms of, things that we were just discussing yeah. um, and then you know as you start to spitball ideas like you know oh, um, what about if you know what if it did this and <laughs> what if it did that and you know how would this work and how would that work um, yeah and I think I don't know I guess you know when you're like we're, we're yes I guess we've known each other now like a quite, yeah three of us so sort of um, a little while but but um, I guess it's just fun, really. It comes yeah. down to it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and that's yeah. you know that's the that's the kind of um, always enables a situation, really. Yeah. I think if you if you if you're both having fun, I don't know. I'm you know not to be um, too much of a pragmatist, but like you know the old like. Um, 1% ideas and 99% sweat Yeah, <laughs> is, I think, you know, I think it's pretty true with almost yeah. any business idea. We talk about hundreds of ideas. There could be one good idea. There could be a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously um, to follow them through, is, that's always a hard part. And invariably, or always, you know, like if you if you get a great... Um, you know, person that you love chatting to, then ideas always become way better yeah. through conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, then then um, when you're trying to sort of you know think about them and you're in your own head because you know you're sort of limited by your own experience. And I want to go back to what you said then about talking about an idea as well. Mm. And Why I've always. So yeah, and I, 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 maybe it was because I was involved in the tech world so much, but there was this, there was a bit of a thing about, in my head as well, just about if you have an idea, don't tell anyone because they might steal your idea yeah. and turn it into something and the whole, maybe the social network maybe didn't really help that very much sure. with the whole, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the Winklevi and, you know, yeah. Zuckerberg and yeah. all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that um, was pretty brutal, wasn't it? Yeah, but... 
I, what I, my experience has been the opposite. That in, when I, like in keeping an idea to myself, there's less, sure, no one's going to copy it. That's very true. There's actually less chance, though, that my idea will turn into something real. Absolutely. Like the sweat will go behind it and Absolutely. the know-how and totally. the, the gathering of other people around the idea yeah. obviously won't happen if I keep it exactly. all to myself. And it's when I've started talking about things and people have said, yeah, that's good or what about this or, you know, then it's just it's encouraged me to take the next steps and it's enriched the idea totally. so much as well. Yeah, Totally. It's that like, you know, validation thing, isn't it? Because like, you know, if it if you think it's a great idea... And that's kind of back to my point before of like being in the right headspace to um, really be open to the very first seed of it. Yeah. Because it's usually, you know, like it'll always evolve and, and grow, but often it's, um, but it's about recognizing it. And, you know, if somebody's, if you have that conversation with someone and they say, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, here's what I think about it. Then... It's that kind of, um, I guess that's just a sort of um, momentum or energy that mm. sort of gets behind it. I think it's, it's really, really difficult to like do that yourself. Maybe I should ask you the first question that I normally ask. We're probably a little way into the podcast now. Because mm. um, I want to start talking about some of the ventures that you're actually working on, the people that you're working yeah, with too. Yeah, sure, yeah. But the first question is, um, where have you chosen for our conversation? Right, we so we're, yeah. we're, we're sitting um, down in uh, High Street, Northcote, um, at, in our uh, first um, studio. So probably about seven or eight years ago, my, my um, family actually bought this piece of land right. um, and um, developed this, um, you know, this apartment um, building here. Um, and there's two sort of um, shop front spaces and um, we got a pretty good deal on the rent. <laughs> Could have been better. <laughs> Dad. Yeah. Um, no, was, um, that, that definitely helped us, helped us, um, helped us out and, um, you know, beautiful, beautiful light space and um, just sort of starting up um, a couple of businesses and, um, Called it, decided to call it um, home for the for the studio, and a lot of love went into it. Yeah. Um, we used really super cheap materials, pretty much all available from um, Bunnings. Yeah, um, and and then just a lot of elbow grease and and um, you know weekends of building really. Yeah, we had a we've got a friend of ours um, who's a super talented. Um, builder who helped with the ceiling, which is um, obviously a bit of a feature. Yeah, it looks cool. Kind of inspired by origami um, mm. paper fold, mm. see um, triangular sort of um, um, forms. So yeah, designed um, mainly by um, my very good friend Kino Hond, who's an architect and um, shares a space, and and we have um, uh, a business together um, called Assemble. With, um, with another really good friend of ours called um, Ben Keck. It's a really great space to, to work from. We were here um, probably three and a half years um, and we ran out of space, unfortunately, and um, sort of coincided um, yeah, with 
be able to cook some Helen. So tell us, so you said there was a couple of businesses here. One is Assemble, yeah. or there was a couple of businesses here. Yep. Well, tell us about what those businesses are. Yeah, cool, yeah. man. So, so there's, um, I guess there's, uh, I like describe it as like four parts to our kind of group of businesses. And um, so we have, um, we have Local Peoples, which is the, um, you know, um, branding and design um, consultancy that I run. Yeah. Um, we have, um, fieldwork architecture, um, so interiors and and, um, and um, residential architecture predominantly at the moment. Um, and then we kind of bring those skills together um, under the Assemble um, banner and partner with um, like-minded developers um, to, you know, create really sort of design-focused, um, very sustainable, with a real kind of consideration for the community mm. both the, you know within the immediate kind of context and obviously the future residents and our first project is um now underway down in in uh, clifton hill just down across the river there yeah Creek. yeah and then we also um i guess bring those ideas and it's also a great space for research and you know get other people excited about great design and you know, great urban planning and um, um, sustainability and um, all of those sorts of ideas that that um, um, both are part of project uh, projects and and um, you know now becoming um, thankfully you know uh, more common across other projects. Yeah, and then that so that we uh, publish a magazine um, yeah. once once a week digitally. And um, and twice a year in print, called assemble papers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's sort of the um, the overview, I guess. I think I first came across you at the M Pavilion last oh, cool. year. Yeah, and, awesome. Um, I was listening to his name has slipped my mind, but he's from Urban Splash in Manchester, uh, yeah. which is like a property development, probably similar in some ways. Yeah. Um, right. His name is he's quite well known anyway, um, and his his firm Urban Splash has just revolutionised uh, Manchester in so many ways, and they're doing some really cool stuff. But anyway, I, I went to listen to him speak because it's been like the whole urban living thing has been a bit of a like it's just one of those things that's always in the back of my mind about cities and how we can live better in them and move better through them. I did an uh, I did like an urban management degree, postgrad degree. Oh, RMIT. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow, cool. So it's just one of those things. I've never really directly um, gone into it, but it's all indirectly, I think it's all, it's kind of influenced the way I, I live and the work I do in a way. So when I get chances to listen to people like that, yeah, I go and talk, I go and listen to them talk. So yeah, I went to M Pavilion and the Symbol Papers, the magazine was yeah. there and they were handing it out. Yeah, awesome. Um, which was, yeah, really cool. And I read it, I think I read it cover to cover. Oh, and I'm on your mailing list now, so and, I've, and I've, I guess from a distance, I've just kept kept an eye on the stuff that you're doing, and then um, with the development at you know the 120 Roseneath, is that the address? Yep. Yeah, and um, just I've, I didn't get along to any of the the forums that you did. And perhaps you can talk a bit about the process you went through there, but you know I've, I just I saw the videos and was really interested in the whole process. But awesome. there's just this thing in my head about. 
I lived in a great apartment in, we're talking about Sydney earlier in, in Sydney, and it was just, it was a one bedroom apartment, but it was just so well designed. Like, yeah. And it was maybe 50 square meters. So it was, you know, it was a decent size, but not massive by any stretch of the imagination. And we were able to live there, the two of us, with, by us, you know, just the two of us for about three years. And then we had a baby in there as well for probably another year and a half. And it just worked really well. And it was partly because of the amenities in the area. But it was also, a big part of it was the way that place was designed. Um, you know, some nice high ceilings and light and just, you know, a whole lot of features. And then I look around at so many apartments around the place and they're just so, they're so badly designed. Like they're just leaving this legacy of, I don't know, depressed living spaces, I think, that are probably unhealthy for people. And so, you know, when I, that's, I think that's a big part of why I, you know, really wanted to talk to you is because I feel like you're bucking that trend and developing something that's a lot of a lot of developers or people that develop properties aren't aren't thinking this way. It's more just really focused on profit and um, you know dollars per square meter kind of stuff. Totally. So it's it's a and, it's and like a risk, risk mitigation and yeah, you know it. Um, yeah, not not to. Um, jump in to defend developers but <laughs> now being a developer like it's it's definitely a it's a tr it's a tricky complex yeah kind of game and um you know you sort of start to understand why certain patterns like form over time and then why those patterns generally lead to and, and obviously like you know greed and um you know making the highest pro possible profit um, is is definitely one kind of issue, but um, you know it's quite complex from like a planning perspective, yeah, um, funding perspective as well. I mean, they're, they're probably the two sort of other key um, big factors in in what drives a development outcome. Yeah, and I guess um, to wind back to like why we kind of started assemble in the first place was. Um, in part having moved back from sort of living overseas like each of us had sort of lived in um you know a great kind of apartment um city um in europe um you know i'd lived in amsterdam for a little while and uh, barcelona as well and keen had lived in um, denmark benny lived in um, berlin um, and you know all of those cities and pretty much all cities um in the world, except Melbourne, <laughs> are quiet, but, yeah. um, um, you know, have a, a really sort of established apartment um, living culture. And it's, you know, really forms the basis of their urban sort of planning and, um, you know, stops a lot of the issues that Melbourne is um, facing as a city in terms of urban sprawl and, um, you know, transport. Um, you know, traffic issues, um, all of those kind of, because we're, we're quite a large city mm. um, and projected to grow, you know, to, to, to double to like around 8 million in the next sort of 20 years. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of great work um, done around how to best sort of um, cater for that. I don't need to, you know, like um, Rob Adams? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so, he, I mean, he's kind of the godfather of sort of Melbourne planning and yeah. he's, um, you know, learnt a lot from um, 
Jan Gell. Jan Gell, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's from Denmark. Denmark, I think. I think yeah, yeah, I should I should know that. But um, and he's been out here you know many times yeah. and you know helped sort of um, Rob kind of plan the transformation with shutting down um, Swanson Street, mm. and so on and so forth. And um, I guess having yeah arriving home and um, you know looking to sort of try and get into the property market um, and we kind of always joked that Kino um, managed to snap up the last affordable um, terrace house in in um, in Brunswick I think it was like 300,000 or something yeah um, you know which um, is a lot of money but in today's kind of terms you know now that kind of terrace goes maybe for um, 800,000 yeah. and you know We've kind of lived through the, the sort of tipping point of you know that type of house kind of being affordable for like a you know a young kind of couple and um, and then I guess we so yeah we sort of started looking at alternatives and you know our friends were all um, lamenting that the quality of you know apartments is really low and and why is that. Um, Basically, and 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 we thought, well, we've got this sort of set of skills, and we're really interested in um, to do something different, and that's kind of how Assemble sort of started. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I guess I think so. When you when you sort of approach it from like, what's the best outcome for us um, as the audience, you know. Um, the buyer audience basically it's obviously very different from you know um, a developer who's been in the game a long time and is approaching it from the you know what's the least risk and highest return um, type approach yeah um, but I guess that yeah I mean the other the other sort of way to, to look at how we've um, made a lot of our decisions along the way and informed a lot of our research is taking it like a, a user-centered sort of human-centered um, design approach to, to architecture basically mm. um, and so you mentioned our you know like we, we did a bunch of design presentations in in, um, in Clifton Hill over the sort of course of the project and um, you know we've done quite a um, extensive amount of surveying and, and research about around apartment living and it, it's been more focused on, um, you know, investors basically for the last mm. fifteen or twenty years, and they have quite a different requirements and, you know, to to own occupiers and people who are going to call it home and you know live there for, um, for a long for a long time. So that's probably that's probably another, you know, sort of big factor in yeah makes sense why. Um, why the quality sort of hasn't been as good as it should be. Um, There's some links back there to what we were talking about a while ago too about, you know, getting a perspective on yourself about from old friends and new friends. And you know how you're saying that you and your business partners have come to this from the point of view of actually being the market. Like, and you've experienced in Europe quite recently and you want to sort of think about well, what would I want to live in? Whereas, you know, developers and probably real estate agents too are a long way away from living in that kind of thing themselves. 
and imagining what they would actually like. Um, and maybe another factor is that Melbourne's, it's a long way away from Europe, you know, we, maybe we don't have, it's the reason why we haven't had that kind of, uh, that infiltration is, well, we haven't probably needed it, we've had an abundance of land. Exactly, you know, yeah, you know, and we're just been, kind of growing out. Yeah. Outwards and it's, you know, probably that cultural thing as well. Like I think people, you know, um, there, there's been like the, the sort of great Australian dream yeah. You know, like the quarter acre block and then it was a bit smaller and then it was, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I guess it's a whole, whole, um, whole kind of variety of reasons really though. So when you did those, I'm interested to see what actually came out as you started to talk to people and ask them, well, what do you want? Like what, you know, what would you pay for? What were the things that, that jumped out to you and now you've incorporated into Rosemary? Um, look, I guess they're all the well, they're all obvious to us. But I guess in in um, you know asking people to rate them and value them, um, that made some of those discussions about you know what could and couldn't be sort of included in the in the project scope much easier to have. Right. You know things like um, externally operable um, shutters which, you know, provide you know, shade from um, the sun, on, especially on kind of the west, western side. And those sorts of things, like, um, historically can get um, taken out of a project sort of early on because they're, they're a big investment. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just because it ends up being a big line item. And <laughs> yeah. it's kind of laziness from a... From a value management perspective, they're just going, go, oh, right, how do we save like a couple hundred grand? Oh, this, this here's a big line item. Let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, you know, back to that point before of, of being, ultimately being the people that we're um, building for, creating for. Ben's lived in, he's um, lived in this building for a couple of years and he was living in a west-facing apartment upstairs and yeah. doesn't have, uh, it's got partly screened, um, but not operable shutters. And um, he always tells the story of like having to, you know, watch, um, watch TV with his sunglasses on because <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, coming through the blinds and completely um, hammering that sort of Western side of the building. And obviously then affects like, you know, the, um, the thermal efficiency of the building and your sort of heating and cooling. And, but baseline comfort, <laughs> it's just not great. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, that's, I mean, that, that, that was a factor. Uh, I guess it's loads of sort of little features, really, that, that um, you know, like we've, we've got a, um, like a communal um, workshop space. That, that We've got actually a couple of sort of sh shared communal spaces and, um, you know, throughout that kind of um, consultation process, we really kind of put it back to, you know, potential residents like and ask them what, you know, what we, what do you want these spaces to to be used for and what kind of um, features would you like in it? And after the final round of, of design presentations, we, we've added sort of some communal laundry features to, mm. you know, um, communal workshop space. Um, so that because not everyone wants like to have their own laundry facilities, obviously it's up quite a bit of space and it's yeah. a great way for people to interact. On it is as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's a, 
hang out a little bit and just totally. have those accidental interactions. Exactly. Yeah. And we've actually moved our um, communal workshop space was up on the first floor around the back, I think it was. But um, that's actually now like right next to the front door. Yeah. Which will be, I think will be really cool. What will um, happen there? What sort of workshop is it? Well, it's basically just a room with like, um, you know, an industrial sink and like a big stainless steel bench. And, you know, we haven't kind of got into the details of like, can you fire up a blowtorch and <laughs> 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 what um, what can and can't be done in there? But definitely for like you know washing your dog or okay. pulling your yeah. bike apart or yeah. um, you know things that you would would be great to have a workshop for. I don't know. I mean you could you know set up and do painting or who who, who knows. But I think we've got a really you know great opportunity and and there's some there's some really sort of interesting and interested sort of residents as well in like sort of starting to cultivate like a really great um, social um, community um, and what what ideas can we come up with to allow, allow that to kind of flourish and obviously that's you know way more important than I mean obviously everyone wants a, a lift that works sure <laughs> yeah they're just there but, but that's the sort of you know that kind of goes without saying doesn't yeah, it yeah really? that's right it's like, it's like defense or default you yeah know? And, and exactly you're sort of giving people a chat and people sounds like they're interested imagining like what can we create totally you know, what can we create together here that's this beacon <laughs> in the in the you know in the north exactly yeah. and there's yeah there's i mean there's actually a, quite a few of our you know friends and family like we who have bought into the project there's, i think it's like 12 right <laughs> it's like <laughs> my brother-in-law is going to be living like the apartment Right, adjacent to us. Yeah, so you're living. You're, yeah. Is everybody moving in there? All yeah. The, yeah, yeah, okay. All of the directors are. All yeah. the directors, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah a couple of the assemble guys and uh, a couple of the architects. And, yeah. Um, a bunch of friends and. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Just to give people a bit of a visual, like uh, from my understanding, there's sort of like three uh, areas of housing, is that right? Mixed yeah. between townhouses and apartments. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So it's um, it's it's a large um, square site, um, pretty much. It's pretty much a, a square. It's about uh, I think it's a touch over three thousand square meters. Yeah. Um, Rose and East Street's like really a really wide street in Clifton Hill. I don't know why they have these massively wide streets, um, sort of down um, towards uh, Mary's Creek and um, you know the parklands, Quarries Park. Yeah. Um, down the end of the end of the street there, um, and the site, um, yes, the site's facing um, north across the road as well, which is which is really great. So there is. So they all all run. All these three buildings kind of run north south. Um, on the um, far eastern wall, there is a row of um, around ten townhouses, um, and then there's an apartment building. Um, through the middle, and then um, we have yeah, there's sort of another eight or nine, um, and between each of those, there's um, two really um, significant um, communal gardens, around 600 square meters each, and we've, we've we've been able to do that by you know raising, not not having the car park on the ground, sorry, raising the entry level up one level. 
the car parking is at, a, at the ground level. Um, and there's these two um, kind of nice staircases that um, take you up to the to the landscaped area, which is you know where the entrance is. And um, I mean, yeah, obviously you can enter from from downstairs as well, but um, creates these sort of green um, corridors between the buildings and um, lots of the local um, you know native wildlife as well. And um, just be a really nice hangout and yeah. Um, to can meet other people. Totally. Get to know other people in yeah. the get to know the neighbours. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about living there? Oh, I I'm I think it'll be really fun to have a barbecue. Um, there's a there's a sort of barbecue and um, communal room at, at the end of um, one of the corridors. So it's like a, a sort of um, a, a really kind of multi purpose um, you know, communal room about 70 square meters with a big commercial kitchen um you know you can book it out for having parties and um but um you know yeah yoga or yeah um exercise or um like it's it's got a nice sort of robust floor so you know having kids running around in there and um yeah potentially um like daycare informal um, kind of daycare setups, or um, but yeah, there's and there's a great um, sort of barbecue space just sort of out on the landing. Then I think it's going to be really fun the, the day we fire up the barbie and um, everyone kind of comes down and has some lunch and hangs out. Yeah, I think I think that'll be really fun. Yeah, that will be. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a bit envious that I'm not living there. The way you're describing it sounds. Sounds really cool, which maybe brings me to my next question. Like, um, I want to talk a bit about assembled papers and the, mm. the type of things you're doing there, but also about, you know, what are, you, what, are you, what sort of projects you're starting to think about next, or are you going to wait until every, you know this is developed and everyone's moved in and there's some learnings that come out of perhaps you know the way it's done and then build the next one? Like, what are you, what are you starting to think about next? Next projects, um, we're still not really thinking too hard about next projects yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's such a complicated sort of project um, so we don't yeah we're, we're sort of um, trying not to get sidetracked yeah right right Absolutely. now but um, yeah. I mean we've spoke we've we've also you know we've had so many different ideas of what assemble could do in the space over the years you know like we've looked at crowd um, funded is not a particularly accurate way of describing but like a um, alternative funding models basically there's you know that's that's quite a complicated space as well like um, but you've got um, you know great um, projects like um, the Commons and more their next iterations um, Nightingale so which is it's 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 effectively like a, 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 lar a large joint venture so they're kind of, you know, gathering sort of 10 to 20, you know, people together, um, you know, to do a, do a project basically. Yeah. And, you know, people contribute the equity rather than it coming from, you know, a couple of um, sources, which is you, the, the way it happens. Okay. And that's, you know, that's going really well 
or has been really well received and um, they've got a couple of projects um, underway which I think are, are sort of um, you know moving along nicely but but I think that's definitely a, a really interesting space and one which will start to change the structure of funding mm. it already has I mean okay. the, the, like you know the um, the Nightingale guys uh, you know and, and there's you know there's lots of other people who um, have done that in varying degrees I guess they're just sort of pushing it in terms of the number of people you know they've got 20 people who might contribute a hundred thousand dollars which puts up um, you know, the principal equity for the project yeah. um, and that starts to change the sort of dynamics of who um, rather than having um, you know the sort of project principles and, and values kind of um, coming from one person or you know um, a sort of small group of people it's more of a collective that sounds really exciting approach which um, totally because I can I can imagine myself being part of something like that like what you're describing at Rosneath I think is the way like I do want to be part of something like that and it's the reason I guess it's it's so ex- well it's so noteworthy is because it's so exceptional like there's not that many but interestingly I found um my friend moved into, she's renovating her house and she moved into a, a block of apartments sort of um, opposite Melbourne Museum, just off Nicholson Street, there in Fitzroy. Oh, uh, Cairo. No. Uh, it's, it's an older block, actually. Yeah, it's, it, it's um, like a 30s, beautiful... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the, quite... The Cairo apartments. Could be, yeah. yeah. But anyway, there's... Oh, that's amazing. That's actually like... If we, yeah, it's pre- pretty much what we we would love to do, done 70, 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't. Maybe it, it isn't that for, one. I don't for know. a different, for a different reason though. Like I think that was for um, return servicemen. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, we've covered it on um, AP a couple of times. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And um, there's there's a um, you should yeah should have a I'll have a look, have a look yeah. at the stories. There's two um, different. Um, apartments in there as well yeah um, and, but it's 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 amazing it's such an amazing building um, it was for return servicemen though so it's kind of like a service department um, model almost and they you know they were sort of um, yeah had like communal um, dinners and food okay. and yeah. um, laundry and and so then their apartments so I think they're, they're I mean definitely um, you know for that time they were pretty compact like 40 or so square meters but yeah they kind of look out onto this beautiful you know they've all got this beautiful garden around them and yeah um yeah, they've got a, a amazing sort of um shared terrace as well i don't know if it is the same one or not but some of the things you're describing i can describe about this one but yeah right i'll have to check it out but the thing that stood out to me was kind of the jungle of communal gardens around there and she's got a boy and, and my son are in the same class and just how they and there's other kids in the neighborhood too and they just go on adventures around there you know and they're and they have an awesome time like they're just free playing you know like kids do and i can imagine that happening where you're talking about at Roseneath as well and and so you know this idea of bringing together i guess you know 20 or so people who have a shared a bit of a shared uh idea or value system of what they want in a kind of a communal living 
or come on, not just communal, but sort of a, in, a, in a mini neighbourhood, and then putting up the equity and being able to shape that and influence it and is, for me, that's so appealing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of, lot of people who would love to, love to do that. So tell us a bit about Assemble Papers as well. I guess there's the, as you mentioned, there's the weekly um, newsletter or online publication and there's the, the twice yearly physical magazine yeah, is that right spot yeah. On. yeah absolutely what's, what's there's the tagline that you have there which i it's just slipped my mind but what is it uh it's like people living in living confined living, spaces or yeah something like that. yeah living it's um living living closer together the living, culture of living closer together yeah yeah um and i guess that's about and and our sort of we also have a a um a bit of a phrase that we use called um small footprint living mm. which um I guess it's sort of a nice little phrase to sort of cover a, a few ideas around, um, you know, sustainability and then design as well and looking at great, small, efficient design and, you know, celebrating that, being kind of mindful of our footprint on the world at large, you know, right down to kind of then a sort of local kind of community footprint as well. Yeah. So, I mean... Um, I've been doing that for like uh, I think five years now you know that sort of started off as a as just research kind of going around the office and then you know we thought oh you know other people would be interested in this and <laughs> yeah. we had friends who were like not necessarily like writers but experts in different areas who um, you know were kind of keen to and, and you know like sort of sending us articles and, and you know we thought well you know it would be great to you know, try and kind of build this conversation into, you know, to, to, to be accessible to a wider audience and, you know, felt that was a really important part of what we were trying to do. And it looks like you put quite a bit of effort into it as well. Like it's, yeah. you've got, I don't know how many articles you you have each week, but it would be at least half a dozen or more, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's it tends to be um, like one kind of key article, like one sort yeah. of long form article and then... Um, there's often, you know, like a, an eyes, which is a sort of photo essay or ears, which is a, like a mixtape or, um, and then, you know, a bunch of, um, sort of more kind of current, uh, or media, you know, like happenings, it's like what, what's, what's on and yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of, um, grown steadily over, over, you know, the the five years that we do the, um, two print runs um so we've been doing that three years now um and the print runs now up to um 15,000 twice a year yeah wow and and we um we give it out i give it away for free um mainly because it's i think it's just way more complicated to try and you know sell magazines yeah (laughs) hard enough to like make them in the first place and then <laughs> um, selling them I think would be a whole other headache um, and it's I don't know I, th- I think it's also you know really nice to just be able to you know people are much more likely to pick something up and they and and that's kind of always you know a barrier to sort of sharing new ideas is it just access isn't it I've got a couple of questions for you as we wrap things up that I ask everybody. And the first one's about 
something that you'd like to be part of disrupting one day that you're not disrupting at the moment? So something here, you know, that's one of those yeah. ideas that just sort of churns away in the back of your mind and springs up every now and then. To, yeah, that'd be cool to really change the way that works. Is there anything mm. that comes to mind when I ask you that? Um, well, actually, I haven't mentioned another project um, that I started with my brother a couple of years ago in the in the health yeah um, awareness space. Yeah, I mentioned that at all. No, no, okay. Um, yes, yeah, so, and and I guess the answer would be to do more of that would be awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, about that. So yeah, so we we started a. My brother's in um, public health. Um, his sort of area of expertise is um, lifestyle related. Um, chronic disease, mm. um, which are called non-communicable diseases, as in you can't can't catch them. Yeah. Um, and um, so he's sort of in. Um, he's a he's a medical doctor, um, but um, sort of studied in in public health. And um, yeah, we were having a conversation um, a couple of years ago. Now I think it's 2013. Um, and he was saying, well, you know, like this this is really common knowledge that, you know, we're at this tipping point, um, you know, there's so much, um, and, and it's especially in sort of um, developing countries, is um, more so than, than um, developed countries. And, and um, you know, that's probably one of the common misconceptions is people think, oh, well, you know, um, NCDs, you know, they're typically um, problems of, um, you know, sort of affluent, um, you know, what Caucasian um, countries who have sort of overindulged, you know. So that was that was um, a, co a conversation we had, and, and I guess my, you know my background in design and communications, and sort of started a project. Oh, well, let's see if we can sort of take that message to a wider audience, and you know, because it is a bit of a, it's definitely like our generation is. A generation who can kind of make a big difference right now, um, but there's sort of um, some fairly scary kind of um, projections of what will happen if we sort of keep going at the current rate, especially in many sort of developing countries. Yeah. Um, with you know sort of, and and it's you know they're really complicated issues, but you know obviously awareness is always um, a great place to start. And so yeah, we we sort of started. It's called NCD Free. Basically, like started this um, little campaign. We did a couple of sort of TED Talk style presentations. Um, one in Boston at um, at Harvard Medical School because um, Sonner was a um, postdoctoral fellow there at the time. And then we also did one here in Melbourne um, down at the um, uh, convention centre. We had yeah. a thousand people. Um, come down and and then from there we also um, you know created did a, a couple of um, documentaries and went and shot one in Mongolia together which oh, was wow. really fun yeah and um, also in um, Sri Lanka and Ghana as well we didn't I didn't get to go we didn't get to go to all of those but um, um, and then from there it sort of evolved over the, like I guess the the last sort of two years or so. You know, there's been kind of workshops and sort of a sl smaller format, but but trying to kind of make it more accessible and you know really kind of put a little bit of a framework um, into place. But for you know um, young people interested in in um, you know public health and um, you know to be able to kind of take you know sort of activities and 
and it's really you know get some interesting speakers together and you know get people excited and have some interesting conversations and and then do you know day of kind of workshops and ide ideation and yeah. trying to come up with solutions ba basically the, the the sort of you know the model in a in a in a nutshell and yeah now that's kind of happened in at least 30 sort of countries really over the last wow. couple of years um, cool. in different formats and we're just actually running a, a new little campaign at the moment which is um, you know where anybody can get together with some friends and there's a little bit of a um, sort of information pack or set of cards that, that kind of can guide some sort of questions and thinking and get together have a dinner party and and um, you know talk about some of the issues and see what ideas people can come up with yeah I think there's there's been around 300 um, in like 50 55 countries that's cool <laughs> as of um, as of Thursday the last question then is about yourself and um, ties back to the name of the podcast so you know we're called this podcast called Subtle Disruptors and it's about the small things kind of like what you're talking about there with NCD Free the small things we can do that can have a you know, a big impact. What's is there a small change that you've made in your own life, or a small thing that you do that that has a, a a significant impact on who you are and the way you do things? That would be interesting for other people to hear about as well. Ooh, um, I mean, I'm I really enjoy um, take you know taking some time out to kind of um, like meditate a little bit. I think I'd love to do more of it. I, I do, you know, probably like, um, yeah, most days, um, but I find that really, I mean, I've, I've been doing it the last couple of years and it's really, it's really great way to sort of, you know, reset the, um, the brain and help kind of, you know, relax and, um, yeah, definitely if, if people, you know, haven't, um, but it, you know, like everything, it's gotta sort of find the time. But it's kind of very, very, um, very worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I've had a lot of fun awesome. chatting with you. It's been an Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now.